by the time you finally get the mixes, you're like already on to writing new songs and you feel like these songs are old and you're like, I just want to get this out into the world so other people can hear it. And you're not taking advantage of all those tools that we have to like create the build. It's easy to get lost in today's music industry with constantly changing technology and where anyone with a computer can release their own music. But I'm gonna share with you why this is the best time to be an independent musician and it's only getting better. If you have high quality music, but you just don't know the best way to promote yourself so that you can reach the right people and generate a sustainable income with your music, we're gonna show you the best strategies that we're using right now to reach millions of new listeners every month without spending 10 hours a day on social media. We're creating a revolution in today's music industry, and this is your invitation to join me. I'm your host, Michael Walker. All right, so I'm super excited to be here today with Bree Noble. She is the founder of Female Entrepreneur Musician, and she's coming out with a new uh, brand called Profitable Musician right now. Especially, it's a new podcast. She's had a lot of success, um, both personally as a musician and also serving a community of other art artists. So she toured for seven years full-time, won Best Female Vocalist at Inland Empire Music Award, sang in front of 60,000 people at Dodger Stadium. That must have been really exciting and also kind of terrifying. <laughs> she uh, has a bunch of successful podcasts uh, like Women of Substance, Female Entrepreneur Musician, and they both hit number one and new and noteworthy on iTunes with over 10,000 monthly listeners. And today I'm really excited because we were just talking about this because you know, Brie has really built a platform around having a voice and you know, being a part of this cultural movement that's really necessary around female empowerment and especially in the music industry. And you know, she has this platform has served so many, so many artists and female musicians. And that's something she's hugely passionate about. But one thing that she's realized is how a lot of the things that she's teaching don't just apply to, to women, but are also incredibly valuable for men as well. And so one thing that she's rolling out now is, is called The Profitable Musician and something called Rock Your Next Release, which is really about releasing music, which newsflash is kind of important if, if you're a musician <laughs> is figuring out how to you know, be, get a, a really good process of releasing your music. And so um, they were kind of branching into this, this new venture for Brie. So I'm really excited to be here today to kind of share some tips and tricks of, on how to release your music successfully. So Brie, thanks for taking the time to be here today. Thank you. Thank you. And yeah, I mean, the Profitable Musician is kind of now our umbrella brand and I'm excited about it because it all started with our Profitable Musician Summits starting back in 2018. And it was just an idea that I had that really wanting to focus on musicians being profitable and understanding both sides of the equation as far as money in and money out um, and bridging kind of my background as a CFO and and musicians, because I certainly had a hard time bringing those two worlds together. So I'm excited to finally be bringing the profitable musician to life as a brand and not at all saying, oh, you know, I'm not, I'm not empowering women anymore. Like that is still a huge core of, of who I am and, you know, big in my core values set and, and our mission. So we still are going to have that part of our brand, but over the years, you know, so many men have been like, Hey, I'm on your list. Is that okay? And I'm like, yes, absolutely. Because it's true that most of what I teach applies to every musician. It's just that I wanted to create a safe place where females could be heard and understood in their unique role as musicians in the music industry and how the music music industry has changed and really opened up more opportunities for women 
So that's, that's kind of how I got to where I am now. And I'm, I'm excited about what we're going to talk about today. Awesome. So to kick things off, and I know you have a ton of experience now working with a lot of different artists and you've probably seen some patterns kind of come up around this specific topic of getting ready to release new music. And you've probably seen a lot of common mistakes and common challenges. So I'm curious about uh, what are some of the biggest you know, challenges or, or mistakes that you see artists making when they first come to you and they're interested in releasing their music? Well, let's see. When they first come to me, a lot of times it's because they've been through a release before and realized all the things that they did wrong or all the things that they missed out on because they weren't properly educated or prepared or had a plan. They're just like so excited to get their music out into the world. And they finally, you know, got to record. It took forever. The studio was dragging their feet and they finally got their mixes and then they like had to fix something. And, you know, so the process for them was so long. And by the time they finally got their final mix and they're so excited about it, they're like, I just want to get it out there. And so they just get it out there into the world without any kind of plan on how they're going to capitalize on it, how they're going to promote it, to, to build up any kind of anticipation for it. Because for them, it's been this whole long journey and they just want the world to hear their song that they've been so excited about for so long. But yet then once they get it out there, they realize that they should have done X, Y, and Z beforehand. And now it's too late to go back and right those wrongs. And so they came to me and they're like, you know, these are all the things that I was bummed out that I realized I should have done. I should have, I missed out on and how can I do it right the next time? Mm, that's so good. Yeah. And I, the, my experience totally echoes what you're saying too, in terms of, it sounds like what you're saying is that one of the biggest mistakes is just that the process of recording the music, getting it already and the excitement around it and the long, you know, nature of it means that when it comes time to finally release it, they don't actually have a strategy. It's kind of like, uh, I know you use this analogy a lot, but it's like trying to start a fire and it's like, you have all the logs or like the songs, but if you throw all the logs into the fire and just kind of sit next to it, then nothing really happens, right? Like you need to generate flames and need to generate, generate traffic and have a promotion strategy or else the fire just doesn't, doesn't start. So yeah, I, I know that, you know, a huge part of what you teach and your methodology is all about how to successfully release your music. And, and so I, what are some of the, the high level, you know, like if someone is here right now, and I'm sure a lot of people are listening to this right now who are like, I've got a new song, I've got a demo or like an upcoming release. And I'm kind of want to start the, getting the ball rolling, but I just don't really know what are the right steps to take at like a high level. What are some of the most important steps that you recommend that some artists might miss out on? Yeah, I mean, having a plan is so key. And especially if you're releasing like multiple singles around a certain theme or, you know, like a season of releases that probably eventually will end up becoming like an EP or an album. Some people start out with this concept of, I want to release an album. And then uh, some people just have a bunch of singles that they want to release. And I would recommend that you really think about those singles as a project, uh, an EP or, you know, a, a group. And then you can really take advantage of the building that can happen by each single being released simultaneously. When I talk about album or EP release, I recommend that they release singles leading up to it because it, it builds, right? It, it builds excitement. It gets you out there. 
to different sets of people with each song. And it's kind of making you sticky with fans, you know, because they'll hear a song and then they'll be like, Ooh, that's cool. I'm going to add that to my playlist. And then once you do that, well, what happens next time you release a single Spotify lets, you know, lets them know, Oh, look, there's a new song out by this person that you like, because I know, I know you like them because you put their song on your playlist. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's kind of the, like, if you've seen, if you've seen the social dilemma, like it's a little bit creepy, right? How social media is following what we do and it knows what we like and all that. But as an artist, we can take advantage of that because that's allowing the algorithms to work in our favor. And it's not like it's doing something that that person doesn't like because they like your music. They want to know when you're releasing more music. So we want to take advantage of those pluses that social media and algorithms and streaming and stuff offer for us now and not just be down on the fact that, you know, maybe we don't get paid what we want from, you know, the streaming plays that we get and stuff. You know, it just came up as you were talking about um, the power of social media. And I haven't seen Social Dilemma yet, but I've heard a lot of really good things about it. I've heard it's yeah a little bit disturbing, but also like really interesting. But the thing that just popped up was, you know, the force, when you use the force, there's a light side and a dark side. <laughs> it doesn't mean you shouldn't yeah. use the force, but, you know, just like use it in the right way. So it, another analogy that, that popped up as you're describing that is that it sounds like what you're recommending is one mistake that people might make, or you know, maybe not, it wouldn't most effectively use the assets that they have is just releasing everything at once as like a big album as opposed to kind of lining it up and having singles leading into it. That's what I hear so much because they, like I said, they're so excited about it. And by the time they get to getting their final mixes and stuff to them, these songs are old news. Like they're not thinking about how no one else has heard this yet. They're like ready to move on to their next songs. If you're like a prolific songwriter and you really love writing, that can Mm. happen. You know, by the time you finally get the mixes, you're like already on to writing new songs and you feel like these songs are old and you're like, I just want to get this out into the world so other people can hear hear it and you're not taking advantage of all those tools that we have to like create the build and one thing I talk about too is if you're selling physical copies which I know a lot of people aren't these days but I've done multiple polls in my group of like 4,000 people asking you know are you still selling CDs and they all say yes so I still think that you can sell CDs now. Maybe they're not the main event, right? Maybe they're more like you bundle it with some other merch, but you can actually build up this momentum toward the physical release and take pre-orders and get a lot of great fan support through that. And I know for me on one of my CDs, my holiday one, I was able to pay off the entire project before it even came out with pre-orders. So that's a good feeling. Yeah. It's a great feeling. You're like every single one I sell now is all profit. Amazing. Mm. Right. Absolutely. I don't want to bring everything back to to this fire analogy, but it just, it fits so well. It sounds like what you're saying is that rather than just like throwing a bunch of huge, massive logs into the fire and trying to start the fire, which could be kind of difficult. It's like, you have these like sticks that kind of line up against the kindling. Right. And you kind of have these, these singles that lead up and you build the fire, you build the momentum. And then when you add the bigger logs, then it's like, you have the fire started and you kind of leverage that. Oh gosh, I love that. I I can picture it too, because we were recently um, staying in Maine for a few months and it actually got cold enough in September that we wanted to build a fire and we were having the worst time starting this stupid fire because we didn't have the right kind of wood. <laughs> and mm. we were 
trying to put too much in there. Like the stove was just too small and it was suffocating the fire because we put too many logs on at once, right? So that's wow, a great analogy because it's the same thing with an album. Like if you release all your songs at once, it's really hard to draw attention to any of them and really get people like take people on a journey of that particular song because they're focused on all the songs and you're focused on trying to promote all the songs at once. And if you do it more like and I recommend releasing like three singles leading up to the album. And some people say, well, why not release a single every month? You know, you have 12 songs, you put it on an album, you release one every month. You can do that. But the reason I don't recommend it is because I can almost guarantee you'll get burnt out. If you really want to market each one of those singles to its fullest, you're going to spend all of your time marketing for an entire year and you're going to get tired. So pick the three best ones, market the heck out of those you know, create some real good campaigns around them on social media, around the message of the songs, around the, you know, story behind the song, create videos, do, you know, acoustic versions, like do all kinds of things with those particular ones that are your favorites that you think are really going to draw people in and put your whole heart and soul and all of your time and energy into that. And that will pay off when you release the entire album instead of mm -hmm. trying to keep up that that pace for an entire year. Mm. That, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. <laughs> I've got to, got to resist the urge to again, equate this to the, to the fire. <laughs> um, so, so it sounds like, you know, a good strategy is to kind of to break off three of your favorite songs and to release those leading up to maybe a bigger chunk, a bigger release, kind of like breadcrumbs up to a full, a full mm -hmm. meal. And what would you say goes into like one of those single releases, you know, if someone is here right now and they're like, okay, awesome, cool. I've got an album and yeah, I've got three songs in mind. I'm like, you know, what? I think that these actually would be good, good songs for, for singles. What would you recommend in terms of the process of releasing those singles in order to get the most leverage from it? Well, the thing I talk about, um, I know we're going to be doing a workshop where I expand a lot more on this that what I'm sure you'll talk about at the end. But the thing I talk about is really you have to plan out what you're going to do around the songs way before you even get to the marketing phase. And one way you can do this, and this is so relevant because you're about to go into the studio, mm -hmm. is that you need to create those marketing assets while you're in the studio. Because that is when you are in creation mode. That is when you are being your artist self and you, you can take off your marketing hat, but make sure that somebody has a marketing hat on while you're in the studio. Maybe you assign one band member that's not as busy or you know a family member of a band member or a friend or just a really great fan of the band and they come to the studio and they document because these are assets you can use later and maybe while you're recording you do some journaling every night about you know what what you loved about the recording studio experience what were some funny moments what were you know remembering back to why you wrote that song and where it came from and you know really be in that mode of like being fully immersed in what's going on in the studio but don't forget to document it because that's the kind of things that are really going to draw listeners in, draw fans in. They want to they want to understand and go on the journey of the artistic process. At least I really enjoy learning about those things when it comes to artists and how they write music and why they write music. And you know, we may think as musicians will regular fans don't really care about that cuz they don't write music. That's not true. I think that 
fans are intrigued by that. And maybe it's because they can't do it or they aspire to do it, but they don't know how, or they just really love your music and want to know how you came up with it. And so again, like, don't try to take that on yourself when you're in the studio or you can't be fully present as the artist. So you do need to think about how am I going to execute this part of my marketing plan, you know, way far out from when I'm actually marketing it, because otherwise you won't have anything to use. I mean, I was certainly guilty of it. I came out of the studio and like a few weeks later, I'm like, crap, I only have like three photos, no video, no nothing, you know, three photos. That's all I have. <laughs> and so I got wise to this. That's so good. Yeah. And I really appreciate the reminder too, as the, the, cause I am going into the studio next week to record some new music. And so that's definitely a great reminder. Now you've got an assignment. You got to figure out somebody to, to document this stuff for you. Greg. Hello. Greg. <laughs> he's he's oh, going to love me. Well. <laughs> no, he'll, he'll be great at that. Actually. I think Greg would actually do a great job, but I also really like the idea of, you know, incorporate like, you know, having a, a fan who's also kind of like a friend of the band who maybe has some video um, skills to come mm -hmm. in, like, what better to than to get the perspective of someone who's like super geeking out about it and loves it and is really excited about it to that really you could help to create a good angle for it. Totally. Um, and talk about building up momentum. If you did uh, like a couple of live streams from the studio, mm. just to like get people's appetites wetted, but you know, you're not going to release your next single for another month, a few months, right? Cause you have to wait on getting the mixes and all that, but still like just planting that seed. Yeah, you got it. And and one thing I want to speak to that you brought up too that I think is really, really smart and really important is that one thing that people might think or bring up, like you said, is, well, you know, there's not everyone, not as many people are going to be interested in the making of. I know for Paradise Fears, you know, we um, would have, mu our music videos might have a million or two or three million views. And then the behind the scenes videos might have 50 or 60,000 views. And on the surface, you might see that and be like, okay, well, I guess it's not important to do these like deeper dive behind the scenes videos when really they might have less views, but it's just like a classic marketing funnel, right? Like in a marketing funnel, there's yeah on the top, there's going to be a lot more exposure, but the further down people go, the more value, the more interest and more um, invested that they are. And those are also the people who are supporting you most and care the most and have, are most connected and spend the most money to support you. And so having that kind of content is, you know, there might not, it might not get as many views as your like top end of funnel content that's going out to everyone, but it's going to really help you connect with the people who care most. Oh, totally. And I agree with those statistics. Like I was just actually doing an interview with somebody who does like fan activation campaigns. And um, she was saying that th the statistics are that, you know, 30% of your fans actually support 70% of what you do, you know? And I said, I bet you it's more like 2080, mm. right? Cause it's usually that 2080 principle that like you're, you're like you said, the views on those are going to be less, but the people that are watching those are like watching them multiple times and they're sharing them and they're taking it to heart. And they're, you know, it's making them want to go to your shows or buy your merch, you know, cause they're really, really connected. Mm. You got it. Yeah. And I, I love the 80-20 rule. And ever since I learned about the 80-20 rule, I feel like I'm, I'll see the 80-20 rule everywhere. Everywhere. That I, I know. For anyone uh, for anyone who's listening or watching right now that um, hasn't heard of the 80-20 rule, could you give like a quick summary of, of what it means? Yeah. Gosh, I can never remember the name of it, but it's basically that, you know, in most things, the 20% 
of what you do is providing 80% of the results. So like in productivity, right? If, you know, if you really look at what you're spending your time doing, 20% of that is actually driving 80% of the results. So if you can find what that 20% is, then you can do more of that and then really expand your results. And it's the same thing with fans, like 20%. I know it's true in my business, right? Like I, you have a certain size of email list or social following. And yes, 20% of those people are what support my business every month in keeping it going. Now, it's not that those other people don't ever buy anything, but they may buy something here or there. You know, these 20% are just like, they're champions. They're out there. They're spreading the word. They're buying everything you do. They're, you know, they're sharing with other people and they're awesome. They're, they're what we call super fans. Mm-hmm. It's so, that's so good. Yeah. The 80, 20 rule. And it's like, what I love, what about love about that rule too, is how there's kind of like these different layers of it, right. Where it's like once you, so the 20% is responsible for 80% of the results, but then like of the 20%, you can kind of go down again. And it's like there's 20%, another 20%, 20% that like are again. Yeah. Totally true. Yeah. And there's like the mega super fans. Right. Yeah. And it is, it is interesting. Like it's almost like a universal rule or universal law that um, like the 80, 20 rule. And if you, if you start looking around and kind of like noticing cause and effect, you know, it seems like there's, there's levers, like there's like lever points and it tends to fall around that, that lever point of 20, 20, 80. So uh, we're talking about um, releasing the single, right? So, so it sounds like one, you know, making sure that you're divvying up the assets that you have so that you're, you're kind of having these breadcrumbs leading up to more of a meal for people. And then one really important thing that people overlook sometimes is making sure that they have someone um, who's documenting the process of the creation process to create those assets while you're in the studio in creative mode when you know, and it's just, it's just something cool to have for yourself too. Like, you know, when your song goes platinum, you know, to kind of look back and be like, yeah, this was the magic. And this is, you know, how it, how it happened. So yeah. You else? know, it's also fun too, is like, yeah. you can do blooper reels, right? Uh, so like, oh, here's I where I bloopers. completely flubbed this guitar solo or whatever, Ooh. you know, and it'd be kind of fun for like super fans to see that. Yeah. Blooper reels are a hit. <laughs> they're they're they always are. good. I, I love blooper reels. Um, cool. So, so I guess, yeah, maybe, maybe a couple, we could dig a little deeper into that idea in terms of like, so if, uh, what types of content we talked a little bit about, yeah, like the blooper reel slash, like what other types of content would be smart if they had someone on their team or they're just sort of conscious to try to gather this kind of content. You talked about live streams might be a cool thing to do. Yeah. Uh, live streams. If you're not the one that has to think about it, right. They can just say, Hey, we're going to go live in five minutes, you know, and they can be the the host of it and stuff. And all you have to do is do your thing and, and say hi and all that. And you, you know, just video of band recording in the studio, maybe a little like green room kind of video where you're hanging out, like listening to the mixes and commenting. And, you know, I find all that stuff super interesting. Another thing is like talking to your engineer about getting some alternate mixes. Like maybe you want to do an acoustic version of some of the songs. You might want to release those later. And it's so much easier to, to create those while you're there than having mm-hmm. to go back and, and do it later. And, you know, photos for sure of everybody in the studio, in, in the wild, doing their thing. You know, and, and I'm sure there's a lot more creative things I haven't thought of too that you can do, but just at least getting those, like I said, the journaling idea. Because we always think, oh, we'll remember what it was like to be in the moment, but we never do. And so actually documenting that while it's happening, it could be, you know, really, really 
really cool. And you can go back later and decide like what pieces you might want to use for, you know, a, a blog post or a, a newsletter blurb or a social media post, or, you know, if you're doing interviews about the making of the album, going back and reviewing what happened in the studio and what was, what was exciting, where the breakthroughs happened, you know, where you got frustrated, like all that stuff is interesting. Yeah, that's, that's so good. Not to mention that it's probably just a valuable process to be going through while you're in the studio too, recording these songs, you know, it's like journaling about them and you might have some ideas for the songs come up or you might change like some of the lyrics or something. So it seems like it's overall a really good process to, to incorporate into it. Yeah, I think so. Cool. So, okay. So now, you know, we're in the studio and we're, we've gotten a lot of assets. So what else, um, in terms of, you know, tips for releasing these, these singles, you know, what, what are maybe some of the biggest mistakes that people make or overall, like what's like a, a bit of an overview of, of the steps that they should take to release it successfully? Well, the one big mistake, and I mean, I know we've been talking about, okay, releasing singles on the way to the full album, but what sometimes people do, because they don't realize that you can't really do it that way now, is that they release their album and then they're like, oh, but I want to release some singles. Because that is how we used to do it in the old days, right? I remember, you know, I grew up in the 80s. I was a huge like radio listener. I just couldn't wait for like a new single to come out by one of my favorite artists. But at that point, they had already released their album. And the point of releasing a single is to promote the album, right? Is to get the song out onto radio, get people to hear it. And then people hear that they might go out and buy the album, or they might hear a couple singles over a few months and be like, oh, now I really want to buy this album because I know I like two songs. That's not how it works now. It's the totally flipped the other direction. If you release an album, especially on streaming platforms, you can't go back and then release singles. That's not how it works. You have to release the singles first because you can't have multiple versions of a song on streaming platforms. Now, what you can do is you can release alternate mixes, which I was kind of suggesting about the studio when we were talking about it, you know, maybe creating an acoustic mix or, you know, handing it off to another you know, producer that can like create a, like a cool techno mix or a, you know, electronic mix or something like that. Put their own stamp on a song that you already have. You just don't release a single after an album anymore. So you have to plan out, okay, these are the singles I want. These are when I'm going to release them and they're going to lead up to the album release. And you, you can't also with the submitting to Spotify editorial playlists and things like that, it has to happen when you're releasing the single. You can't go back and and put that in later. Right. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. So so nowadays, really important to make sure that the order of which you release them isn't album and then kind of breaking it off and doing the singles, but making sure that it lines up so the singles are coming out first. Right. So let's say that we got three three songs and we're going to line them up towards an album release of, of 10 songs. Any recommendations in terms of like timing? Like, you know, should you release the singles a month apart or three months apart? And like, you know, I know it can kind of vary, but um, roughly what, what would you recommend? I like a month apart. I kind of say like third month, second month, one month, and then you release the whole thing, right? Mm-hmm. And the whole time you're you're building toward the full release. And mm-hmm. on the full release, then you can do things like do uh, you know a, a release party, whether you're gonna do it in person, online, or both. I recommend both if you can get away with doing a, a live one nowadays, but um, or doing it you know locally. And then you know some kind of touring and 
even if you can't do physical touring, you can, you could set up some kinds of like online joint shows and stuff like that to support the full release. But the singles are basically, like you said, I love the like idea of breadcrumbs and it's leading people to the full release. Oh, what's up guys? So quick intermission from the podcast so I can tell you about an awesome free gift that I have for you. I wanted to share something that's not normally available to the public. They normally reserve for our $5,000 clients that we work with personally. This is a presentation called Six Steps to Explode Your Fan Base and Make a Profit with Your Music Online. And specifically, we're gonna walk through how to build a paid traffic and automated funnel that's gonna allow you to grow your fan base online and the system's designed to get you to your first $5,000 a month with your music. We've invested over $130,000 in the past year to test out different traffic sources and different offers and really see what's working best right now for musicians. And so I think it's gonna be hugely valuable for you. And so if that's something you're interested in, in the description, there should be a little link that you can click on to go get that. And uh, the other thing I wanna mention is, you know, if you wanna do us a, a huge favor, one thing that really makes a big difference early on when you're creating a new podcast is if people click subscribe, then it basically lets the algorithm know that this is something that's new and noteworthy and that uh, people actually want to hear. And so that'll help us reach a lot more people. So if you're getting value from this and you get value from the free trainings, then if you want to do us a favor, I'd really appreciate you clicking the subscribe button. All right, let's get back to the podcast. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, this is great too, because it's just, you know, I'm getting ready to record these new songs and it's a nice refresher of, um, it's like helping me create a game plan. So thanks, Bree. Totally. Yeah. Um, hey, are you going to release an album or an EP? I'm just curious. It, it's going to be an EP. So four, okay. four songs to start out with. See, I, I love the EP concept because with like, if you're doing four songs, right, you could release three of them as a single. And then the fourth one comes out when the EP comes out and they've all kind of gotten their own, their own spotlight. You got it. Yeah. And then we can still, I really like the idea of you kind of having these smaller releases leading up to like the big release and kind of the big shebang where you're really kind of gearing up your marketing efforts to promote this, this full, this full launch. Yep. And I know you, you've got Greg on your team, so it's going to, you know, you're going to be working on your branding. And, and so when, you know, the full thing comes out, then you're going to have merch that's branded. And I don't know if you're doing all this, but that's what I would do. Oh yeah. You oh know, yeah. Branded yeah. merch that goes along with it and all that. And, and the singles are just leading up to the exciting release of this project that's all around a certain theme that's got merch that goes along with it and and you know certain messaging and branding and stuff and it can be very very intentional mm, you got it yeah i mean so so some of the the merchandise and stuff we've already got kind of fleshed out because it, it aligns with you know with with modern musician and um with the paid traffic funnels that we build it's like a yin and yang to what we're talking about now with like the organic kind of public launch and building up anticipation and there's like the pro of like an organic live launch is that you can build so much anticipation and energy and buzz and excitement because it's a live event um, and the pro of like an evergreen campaign or paid traffic is that, you know, it's yeah. just going on autopilot and doesn't rely on like a live launch. And so the two kind of go hand in hand. And oh, um, I think that is the one, two punch. I mean, that's what I use yeah, in my yeah. business all the time. I have plenty of stuff that's evergreen mm -hmm. and people come into your world. They want to like binge your stuff and they don't have to wait. Right. Because you've got stuff available. That's like having a back catalog and, you know, uh, offering things that they can get involved in whenever they find you. But then having, like you said, the excitement of a live launch with this, with a release. 
yeah, you got it. Yeah, there is something that, you know, I think like part of our movement that's happening right now is on a deeper level is kind of defining like our humanity and kind of the role that technology and automation and robotics are going to have in the future. But you know, there's both this push and pull of technology and automation and being able to say like put everything on evergreen, automate everything. But you know, if that's if you do that and you lack like the live organic nature to it, then it sort of like almost lacks substance or lacks like heart or mm-hmm. it doesn't have that necessarily that same connection. So there is something really powerful about, you know, this process that we're talking about of, you know, even if you do have great um, evergreen and paid traffic campaigns, like having that heartbeat and having the live events and shows and even virtual, you know, virtual live streams, there's, there's something that's really powerful about the connective ability of, of having that. Yes. Yes. Totally agree. And so we can't, we can't just abandon releases because we need, we need both that and what you do. So yeah, you're right. They, it works perfectly together. Cool. So coming back to like the single, the single release strategy, and I, I'm sure like we talked about, like, and we'll talk about this more at, at the end of the, the interview as well is this deeper, more in-depth workshop where we can really kind of go nitty gritty and we can share a lot of different resources. But, you know, if we had to sort of break this up and maybe three to five kind of like overall steps or like sections of a successful release, could you share like a few, like, just like a, let's say we're like a, like flying over, like it's a bird's eye view of the forest as a whole. I, I would love to just hear a little bit about that overall breakdown of the strategy. Yeah. So I, I break it up into eight different, what I call focus areas. And the key is that you really can't like let any of these fall off. Like you can't, I say like, you have to juggle all these balls in the air at the same time. You can't do them like, well, first I'm going to work on this and then I'm going to work on this. Cause like I just said about the studio, right? You're in the studio and you think, okay, I'm, I'm focused on creating my product, but you have to have your marketing hat on because otherwise you won't get all those marketing assets while you're there. So it's like juggling eight different balls in the air, which is why people get overwhelmed. It makes complete Mm -hmm. sense, right? But it's really, so it's the planning is what you start with. And then the product, which is broken down into two areas, which is the, the recording and then the like distribution and branding. So like what is your, you know, album art, your theme, all that stuff around it? How are you going to package it? Right. Mm-hmm. It's gonna, the, the digital version and the physical version of your packaging. Mm-hmm. So that's three. And then the next area is the promotion, which it has four sub areas under it, because we're not just creating this recording to listen to at home and have a pile of CDs in our garage. Like we need to get this out into the world. So the four ways we do that are marketing, which is huge. You know, it's social media, it's email, it's um, every way that you connect with your fans. And then the um, Spotify playlist, which I separate out separately because it's such a great vehicle. Like you can submit to, maybe you get on Spotify's playlist, which would be amazing. You'd have a ton of streams if you got that. But you also have the opportunity to find curators that create their own playlists and it can it can get you in front of so many new audiences so that's to me like a whole separate area um and then it's the release parties that we talked about where i feel like that really builds up the buzz and the excitement around the actual release and then the booking so doing some kind of performances to support your release whether they're online or they're in person and then the final area is the profit, how are you going to make money on this thing? <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's lots of different ways you can make money along the way. I always recommend that 
people do some kind of a crowdfunding thing, even if it's just a super easy 30 day, like just getting the word out there that you're doing this project and you're looking for, you know, fans that want to invest. It doesn't have to be a big, complicated 90 day crowdfunding campaign. Some fans just want to help, you know, and you want to give them that opportunity. There's sponsorships. And like I said, a pre-order campaign, there's different ways that you can and the merch, like you were talking about, there's so many ways you can make money along the way, but you can't, these can't be like an afterthought. You can't do a crowdfunding campaign after you already released because people are like, oh, you don't need the money you already released, you know? So you have to, you have to keep all these, these balls in the air through the whole process. And for me, that revolves around having one big timeline that helps you keep all of these things organized in your mind so you don't go crazy with all the different things you have to be thinking about all the time. So good. Yeah, I love, I, I think I'm similar to Greg Greg in this way. And and so we're talking about Greg Wilna, who's a, a mutual friend of, of both of ours. And he's also playing drums for me in, in this music project that's coming up. Um, I've interviewed him before. You might have him on the podcast at, at some point, but he's also a high, like a, a high level thinker. Like he, he likes the process of zooming out, looking at the forest as oh, a whole. Oh, he's such the big picture thinker. And I'm so the detail oriented person. We like, we complement each other well, but we also drive each other crazy because we can't think like the other one, <laughs> mm. you know? Yeah, it's it's so it's so important, you know, to have, to have both of those, those areas kind of covered because, you know, it's like the it's seeing the forest for the trees, right? Like, so it's so important to like kind of zoom out and to see the entire forest. You can kind of chart your path. You have an idea of where you're going, but then if like, if you never go into the actual forest and kind of do the hacking and slashing that actually comes with like, you know, navigating and taking action, then it's like, you're just kind of in fairy tale land and you just conceptual yep. and you never actually take action. You've got a great looking plan, but nothing ever came of it. Yep. Exactly. And then vice versa, if, if all you're doing is, is you're in, in the forest and you, and you never like actually zoom out, then it's kind of like you'll be hacking and slashing and not really sure what direction you're going in and not really leveraging your time. Yep. Um, and that's but, where the balls get dropped because you, it's really hard to focus on eight things at once unless you know what you need to do when. Exactly. Yep. You, you got it. That's one thing I really appreciate about you, about sharing this and kind of zooming out today so we can kind of look at, at a high level. And um, this segues very uh, naturally into the last thing to to bring up here, which is that we've created kind of this, this joint um, partnership uh, specifically where you're going to break down exactly how to uh, chart out and plan out the timeline for a successful release. So I'd love to hear you share a little bit about um, what that looks like. Yeah. So this workshop, I developed this because so many artists came to me and said, number one, I'm so overwhelmed by this process that I never release my music. I have like this huge, you know, catalog of music that's never been out into the world because I don't even know where to start. And then other people have been like, I did a release and these are the things that I feel like I regret about it and I missed out on and how can I not? So this is all about number one, talking about the three big mistakes that artists make and how you can fix them. And then just really breaking down my Rock Your Next Release framework into those eight focus areas I was talking about and showing you, you know, how and when you need to focus on those areas and how you can actually keep all those balls in the air at once without going totally nuts. 
Awesome. Yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. And and yeah, I, I think uh, it's really valuable to, you know, to, in a conversation like this, kind of the whole point of it is that we can kind of see the forest as a whole and, and discuss it. But then we, we need to have that met with the real life examples and um, more details around exactly, you know, how to implement everything. So I'm really excited to do this. And, you know, again, it's perfect timing for, for me selfishly uh, getting ready to, to release this. So I'm looking forward to it. Where can people go to sign up for the workshop? And is it, I'm assuming it's going to be like like $25 million to sign up for this workshop. <laughs> no, it's free. It's free. Because I just want to help you guys, you know, and give you a framework so you can actually release your music because the world needs to hear it. The world needs to hear this music. So I want to make sure that you are definitely, you know, going to have a plan so you don't drop any of these balls along the way. Awesome. To make it as simple as possible for everyone, we'll also include a link in the description. So if you like scroll down and, and look you, at the description, you, you should like... be able to find a link for, for that. Bree, thank you so much for taking the time to be here and to share this. Again, it's very relevant to me right now. So um, selfishly, I'm very happy that, that we're here right now. I'm really excited for the for the workshop coming up soon. Definitely encourage yeah, anyone. Yeah, I can't wait to see what you yeah. do with this framework. I'm going to be watching you. I'm going to use you as a case study. It's great too. I got like, I got you in my back pocket. I can like text you, you and get like advice <laughs> and stuff. Um, but yeah, I, I totally recommend anyone who's, who's listening to this right now and has gotten value from the podcast, go sign up for the workshop. Looking forward to doing that with you, Bree. Thanks again. And I'll talk to you soon. Yeah. We'll see all you guys on the workshop. It'll be fun. Hey, it's Michael here. I hope that you got a ton of value out of this episode. Make sure to check out the show notes to learn more about our guests today. And if you want to support the podcast, then there's a few ways to help us grow. First, if you hit subscribe, then I'll make sure you don't miss a new episode. Secondly, if you share it with your friends or on your social media, tag us. That really helps us out. And third, uh, best of all, if you leave us an honest review, it's going to help us reach more musicians like you who want to take the music careers to the next level. The time to be a modern musician is now, and I look forward to seeing you on our next episode.